everyone, and welcome back to the podcast, or welcome to the podcast if you're a new listener. I'm so happy to have all of you here with me today. I am so excited to share today's episode with you all. It is magical. That is the word of today's episode is magical. It's with the beautiful, the lovely Kate Hunter. Kate is a Reiki master. She is a licensed massage therapist. And as of recently, she's been reading tarot cards. So beautiful. She's so aligned with my journey. I'm just so happy to have met her. I met her through the full moon circles that I go to that was mentioned in a previous episode. And she did Reiki on me in those sessions. And I remember this one profound experience with her in the the circle where I had this sharp pain in my right shoulder blade. It hurt so bad and I could not get into my meditation. And she walked over to me and immediately placed her lovely, warm, energetic hands right on that spot. Like she just went there. She knew that I needed healing there. I needed energy there. I needed to move my stagnant energy. And it was so beautiful and it was such a powerful experience. And I've also had a one-on-one Reiki session with her and that was beautiful. I remember how much my energy felt uplifted and I felt elevated and wonderful. And I remember going to a local uh I don't know what it's called, a local crystal shop. It's like more metaphysical. Yeah, a local metaphysical shop. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. And just feeling so aligned and good and vibrant. And I've also had a tarot card reading done from Kate, and that was just as beautiful as well. She gives so much insight. She really cares about the people that she works with and really cares about doing good and making sure that they get everything they need out of whatever type of session that she is offering through whatever service. So. Kate is beautiful. I love Kate. She is so magical and powerful. Today's episode, we really touch on her story and her story is so empowering. It's so beautiful. I don't really know how to describe it. You'll just have to hear it, but she really talks about her ups, her downs, like things that have shifted her. And I loved, loved, loved hearing it. I learned so much about her and I know you all will love it just as much as I did. And we also talk about her spiritual journey. We talk about becoming a Reiki master. We talked about her being a licensed massage therapist. And we talk about the shifts and the changes in directions and flowing. And we touch on astrology a little bit. We touch on tarot a little bit. And it's just a really jam-packed episode full of insight, wisdom, beauty, It's amazing. I loved editing this episode. And when I was editing it, there were so many angel numbers that appeared. So it's a very magical, powerful, aligned episode. 777, 222, 555. I just, I kept seeing them throughout the entire time I was editing the episode. And that's how I knew that this episode was meant to be for both me and Kate, because Kate really told me that she felt the calling to share her story. And then when I said, you know, do you want to be on the podcast? She was so happy and excited to do it. So that's enough of me ranting. So (laughs) let's get into what I'm grateful for today and how I've put myself first today. So I am grateful for meditation. 
and clarity. I was going to say clarity first, but I wanted to say meditation because I've been taking my meditation practice more seriously the past few days and just doing meditation to binaural beats instead of a guided one and letting whatever come up, come up. And I've had some profound experiences with it and I've had some clear messages from it. And then I journal right after and it's been very aligning. It's brought so much clarity. So this is why I'm also grateful for clarity into what I want to do in the in insights of where I want to go. So I'm just so thankful and grateful for meditation and clarity. And today I've put myself first by not being hard on myself about sleeping in and not having any expectations of where the day will go. I've been really hard on myself and I get into these cycles every now and then where I tell myself that I'm going to do so many things in the week and I can get them all done if I put my heart and mind into it. But instead of me forcing myself to do things, I'm really just letting myself go. I'm letting go of expectations and I'm flowing. So when I woke up late this morning, I didn't I didn't think anything of it. I didn't beat myself up about it. I got up, I meditated, I did breath of fire, I did my journal prompts, I did everything I would do in a morning routine. I told myself I'm going for a walk later and I'm really just letting myself flow. And this weekend, I decided no social media, no socials at all. I'm just going to be present and do what feels best for me. And if that's getting work done, I'll get work done. If it's, you know, chilling, I'll chill. If it's reading, I'll read. So very much being in my flow. So I put myself first today by letting go of expectations, allowing flow to exist, and letting my water energy rise, which I know Kate would be super proud of. (laughs) So I enough of me, enough of me rambling. Okay. Today's episode is my longest episode to date. I'm so happy about it. She's so beautiful. I'm so excited for you to hear this episode. So without further ado, let's get into this episode with Kate Hunter. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. So today I have another interviewee with me. Her name's Kate. Hey, Kate. Hey, Emily. How are you today? Oh, I'm so good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Not too shabby. Lovely. Yeah. We were chit-chatting before, so it's like awkward to do an introduction sometimes because we're like talking already, (laughs) but we're going, we're doing it. So I usually start off with intro questions. So what is something that you're grateful for today? I am honestly so grateful for, well, this opportunity, first of all, but the sunshine, even though the weather is kind of bizarre, the sun is shining. So I'm extremely grateful for that. Yeah, I like that. I never, whenever I write my gratitude list, I never think about like what's happening outside. I'm like thinking about all the things like that's happening inside, I guess. Yeah. And then how have you put yourself first today? Ooh. Um, so this morning I woke up probably at, it was before seven o'clock and part of me really wanted to get up immediately and start doing things, but I decided to have a slow morning and allow myself to really um, be present in in the waking up process. So I woke up very slowly. I stayed in bed until about nine o'clock. And then what I've been doing lately is um, I've been very disciplined about not looking at my phone first thing in the morning. So I try to wake up Uh, meditate and collect my thoughts, really wake up consciously and then look at my phone around 11 o'clock or so. so. Yeah, that's what I've been trying to work on too. It's a lot harder 
than I thought it was going to be. Like sometimes I cannot look at my phone at all. And other times, because my alarm's on my phone, I'm like, oh, and then like I have things going on. So I've been trying to really distance myself from my electronics in the morning and just like be with myself and whatever I'm doing. Like if I work out or am I writing my journal prompts or whatever it is. Yeah, it makes such a difference, honestly. I mean, there are things, you know, you can't escape. I have to look at it for the alarm. And sometimes I'll look at it if I'm wanting to put on a specific meditation or frequency. But besides that, you know, I just make it a point not to open any apps or emails or anything like that. Yeah, that's smart. The apps are what get me sometimes because then my thoughts are all just jumbled from whatever people are talking about, like on Facebook or on Instagram. Like that's what I'm thinking about. And I don't want to think about that when I wake up. I want to think about whatever I want to think about. (laughs) Totally. I feel you. Yeah. It just kind of imprints my mental state with this layer of chaos that sticks with me throughout the entire day. So I try to stray from any sort of chaotic energy. Yeah, totally. Um, so now we're going to do speed round questions. Sometimes they're not so speedy because I'm like, ooh, tell me more. But, you know, we're <laughs> warm up <laughs> questions, I guess. So cool. what is your favorite form of self-care? Oh, my favorite form of self-care. Honestly, it's probably just straight heart connecting meditation. Uh to just sit, connect with my heart and see whatever comes up. That's that's my favorite form of self-care because ultimately I am putting my emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being before anything else. And I think that's so important. Oh yeah, it is. I've been doing um, more meditations recently and whenever they're heart-centered, I just feel so much joy and happiness like radiating, <clears throat> radiating through me. Oh, I just feel like really good after it. Totally. Well, your heart is like the, um, it's the center point. So if you can tune into your heart, you really have a good idea of what's going on throughout your entire system, your entire chakra system. It's, it's, it's a powerful place to connect to. Yeah, totally. So what is your go-to breakfast of choice? I'm honestly not a... I mean, I love breakfast so much, but I don't have much of an appetite in the morning. So I typically drink uh, carrot juice or celery juice. If I do have a big appetite, I love pancakes. But I really... I don't discriminate when it comes to breakfast. (laughs) I enjoy all breakfast. Yeah. So what is a topic you're currently learning about that inspires you? I'm currently diving deep into business and entrepreneurship. Uh, It inspires me because of what I do. Uh, Studying business in itself is not my favorite thing. I'm not business oriented, but being, you know, having my own practice now, it's it's very important for me to be well-equipped in certain business techniques because I can do what I do and do it perfectly but if people don't know about me you know if I'm not marketing myself then doesn't it doesn't go as far as it could so it's been a really beautiful journey in discovering how I can put my best work out there 
Yeah, there and there's so much behind the business side of entrepreneurship. Like so much you need to do that you're like, I didn't even think about that. I didn't realize that maybe I should sign up like to be an LLC or have this bank account for this or whatever it is. There's just so much going on. Totally. Yeah, it's like it's a whole new like field of learning, like beyond what anyone's like really learned before. Because we're not taught about, we're not taught that stuff in school. No, no, yeah. And my my business class when I was in school was very brief. Um, And I've really come to terms with delegating certain roles that I just am not inclined to do. So I do have an accountant and that helps a lot. Oh, I bet. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. I don't know what I would do without an accountant. (laughs) How have you stepped outside of your comfort zone recently? That is a good question. I try to step out of my comfort zone uh, whenever I have the opportunity. Oh, yeah, because it's really easy to just stay in your comfort zone and do what makes you feel like good and what you know makes you feel good. There's fear around like stepping outside of your comfort zone. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, I just feel like if, if you have a little fear towards something, you should probably do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so definitely owning my own practice. That was a a huge step for me and and finding my own office space that was that was very scary honestly doing this podcast was also um a step out of my comfort zone I don't think I've ever been interviewed before so ooh, so this is exciting it is exciting (laughs) and it's so you know it's so divinely timed too because I've been I've been hearing the call for embarrassingly enough. It's been a few years since I've clearly gotten the message from my guides to start telling my story more publicly. Um, So when you asked me to do this, I was like, hell yes. Great. So it worked out completely. I'm super Mm -hmm. excited about it too. What is your favorite aspect about yourself and why? My favorite aspect of myself is my ability to embody my inner child. It's, yeah, it's more recent. Honestly, I kind of hushed her for a while. Um, And you know how that is going going within and and retrieving your inner child and and realizing, oh, wow, I've ignored you for a long time. Yeah. Um, It really opened up my eyes to how I could be way more playful in my day-to-day life. So that's been a huge area of growth for me and I've come a long way, but my ability to be playful brings me, it's brought me so much joy embracing that side of myself. So that's definitely my favorite aspect. And it's a really beautiful answer. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I think a lot of people, um, I guess not a lot of people, but some, or I guess most of society, this is my opinion, but most of society like doesn't, want to like let what happened to them in their childhood or like whatever went on in their childhood like come to the surface oh yeah it's I mean it's terrifying (laughs) yeah yeah and it's like very like suppressed stuff where you're like um I don't need to deal with you anymore that at least that's how I view it and then when I started doing inner child stuff I was like no I need to (laughs) see you and take care of you and love you and change the situation for you 
Absolutely. I mean, it's the purest form of ourselves. It's that that source of unconditional love, truly. So how about you introduce yourself in your own words? So like, tell me about who you are, what you do, all of that fun stuff. Yeah. So my name is Kate Hunter. Uh, Some people call me Bird from my hometown. I went to school for massage therapy in 2018 or 2016. uh, Excuse me. I got licensed in 2018. And through that experience, I became certified as a Shambhala Reiki master. So I've been practicing um, the healing arts for a few years now, and I've worked in three spas and I decided that the spa life, as much as I love it, I am more passionate about inner work and self-healing. So I've kind of taken a little bit of a pivot and I'm doing more more energy work, but I'm still doing body work because I love it. And it's essential. It's, it, it's really important to take care of your physical being. So yeah, I just barely opened up my, my own personal practice in Littleton. Uh, I was blessed to be asked to join Isaac Vars and Josh Simmons at their new location at Deep Earth Arts. So that's where I'm at now. And it's very exciting. Uh, I feel very grateful to be where I am today. Yeah, that is so exciting. And especially because I knew you like months before you transitioned. to. So to see you transition into something like that you really, really wanted to do is like really amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So let's talk about your background. So I'm a very, or I'm a big story person. I like to know people's stories. I think it's a very beautiful part of themselves and to see like where they were before and where they are now. So what was your childhood like? And if you don't want to talk about childhood, you can talk about like school or just like before you became um, a Reiki master. You know, what was your story before this all happened? Yeah, I would love to talk about childhood uh, because my childhood was honestly a dream. It was it was really beautiful. Uh, my caretakers, my mom and dad, are beautiful people. I admire them for so many reasons. Um, and you know, I <laughs> it was so beautiful that it really took me a long time to look back and realize that there were parts of it that were less than ideal. Um, And I feel like I had almost two childhoods in a way. And I don't know if other people resonate with this, but I feel like there was a childhood I had where I was home, you know, in the woods playing with my brother. And then there was a childhood where I was in school and in the system. (laughs) And there's quite a contrast there. I had a really hard time in school, to be honest. There were a lot of beautiful moments, but there were a lot of moments that were really, really difficult. And I think for a long time, I blamed a lot of the experiences I had in school. Uh, I blamed it like 
my troubles on the system and being put through sort of like a conveyor belt education system. But ultimately, it brought me to who I am today. So I'm grateful for it. Yeah, I had some really traumatic experiences that happened throughout school that really shaped who I am today. They, the experiences definitely inspired me to want to be better and to want to improve myself in a way that I could help other people who may be going through similar experiences or, you know, the education system is, is kind of something, you know, there are more options nowadays, like unschooling and homeschooling is pretty big which is beautiful to see. But when I was a senior, I thought I wanted to be a teacher because I wanted to help people who were also struggling. My senior year of high school was really brutal. I almost didn't graduate because I was going through so much turmoil um, in my personal life. My brother had just left for college, which, you know, is pretty normal, but it was just him and I. So it was it was hard to be suddenly the only child in the household. And as soon as he left, (laughs) everything fell apart in, in a sense. My mom was diagnosed with breast cancer and then my father came out as an alcoholic. So not only did I feel kind of alone, but I was also feeling the need to support my parents in a way that I really wasn't prepared to do. I was also, you know, newly 18. I was going through some pretty intense authority issues. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I really, I really wasn't able to show up for them the the way I wish I could have. But that's not, you know, I don't blame myself for that at all because I don't think anybody could have shown up for them the way, the way they feel like they should have, if that makes sense. Yeah, Um, Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So that was, that was a really interesting time. And it was also interesting because at that age, you're expected to know what you want to do for the rest of your life in a sense. I know. And I don't agree with it. And I, I so admire the people who just knew and I think that's absolutely amazing because I see that as just a very strong connection to source and a a strong connection to themselves. I unfortunately had been disconnected from myself for a while. So I was just confused. Like I said, I thought I wanted to be a teacher, but at the same time I was a babysitter and one of the people that I babysat for, she was a teacher. And I remember experiencing her journey through the education system and eventually she quit because she felt like she wasn't making a difference. She felt like the system was so restricted that she couldn't, she couldn't do what she authentically wanted to do. And at the time she was one of the best people I knew. Like she was so genuine and kind. She still is. She's (laughs) a very beautiful person. So I was just left with this feeling like if if she can't do it, I I don't know how I can do it. And I mean, it did give me insight 
to knowing that I wanted to teach or guide people, but I knew that the education system wasn't for me. And that was, that was the only real idea I had of what I wanted to do. And so for me, it just made no sense to invest in college at the time because I had no idea, truly. So I decided to take a gap year and I was a waitress, which was <laughs> a very interesting experience. It was a beautiful it always experience. Is. Yeah, yeah. But it was also, in a sense, it totally corrupted me. And that's not to say like or talk badly of the restaurant that I was working at. It's just, it's, it's kind of the environment. It doesn't matter yeah. what restaurant it is. It's just... If you haven't worked in like the business before, then it's hard to explain, but it's a lot to like take in. And there's a lot of energy, like there's a lot of energy that isn't yours that's being put on top of you because you're constantly, like you're running around, you're dealing with customers, you're dealing with whoever you work with and like everyone's emotions. And it's just like a very fast pace in your face kind of business. It can be a breeding ground for addiction and Mm -hmm. toxicity and just a lot of unfortunately lower lower frequencies so that's a very interesting experience and it was great because I was making a lot of money and I finally felt like I could support myself which was extremely empowering at the age of 19 but I also realized how easily I could stay there so I decided I needed to do something and I signed up for a volunteer program where I traveled the United States, well, the Midwestern region um, for about a year with uh, people of the similar age from all over the country. Even actually one of my team members was from Jamaica and another team member was from Puerto Rico originally. So it was a very, very interesting experience. It was, um, it really put me out of my comfort zone 24 seven. It was, Oh yeah, I could see that. Yeah. So I had a team of 10 people and we lived together and work together. We were together all of the time. At one point, we were all living in the same room for a certain project. Yeah, we were living in the same room, the same room, and we were sharing one bathroom. That's crazy. Yeah. That's like a lot (laughs) to take in. Yeah. It was a lot. Yeah, but it was so beautiful. So we would do fun activities together. We we did a lot of team building activities because you had to, or you would literally kill each other. <laughs> yeah. So um, I remember for that particular project, we were embracing our inner child. So we decided to build sheet forts around our beds so that we would have a little bit of privacy, but also to, you know, make it a little more playful and, and lighthearted. I really like that. That's so. Was like, was that like the first time that you ex- like experienced inner child type of stuff? Honestly, yeah, yeah. And that whole experience totally. I I definitely had um, an awakening during that period. I really 
experienced energy and the way it worked in a completely new way because I wasn't being paid that much like in monetary what's the word monetarily I wasn't being compensated very much I think we made about $180 every two weeks oh wow so yeah to go from being a waitress like walking out of work with $200 cash in my pocket you know in one night to go from that to not even $200 every two weeks. It was a shock. It was very humbling. Um, I mean, we were completely taken care of in terms of housing and food for the most part, but yeah, it was, it was a crazy experience that really taught me how inclined I was to reading energy and providing support for people. You know, I just had this experience with my parents. So I was able to kind of translate that into this new experience. And actually my role on the team was the support members. So when people were having a hard time, they would come to me and we would chat. And But through this experience with the volunteer program, I really realized like it is my place, but I I can be creative about it and do it in my own way. And so that's what inspired me to go to school for massage and learn, learn Reiki. Wow. I really like that. And in your story, there's a lot of very relatable things for me, like trying to decide what I wanted to do, like right out of high school. I, I only applied to colleges because I was told to, and I didn't even like care what colleges I was applying to. I didn't know anything about them. I just applied to the ones everyone else was applying to. And then I almost went to college, but then I did community college instead. And then I just felt like I had to go and I had to do what I was told to do, even though I had no idea what I wanted to do like at all. But then I took a gap year and really just focused on myself because that's like what I needed to do. And I was like, I don't know what I really like want to do with my life. There's a lot of pressure um, in high school to decide right away. And I remember like when you said um, how you, I don't want to say jealous, but like you were comparing how like other people know like what they want to do. Like my brother has known what he wants to do and where he wants to go for like his entire life. And I've always been like, I have no idea what I want to do at all. Like at all. That's so funny. Yeah. My brother has always known really what it's just been so clear for him, what, what his passion is and what he is naturally good at, which is he's a software engineer. So (laughs) complete opposite spectrum of me, which I think is so funny. We really balance each other out in that way. But I think it's also, you know, I think what, what gets kids is like choice paralysis for the, like, first of all, but I think if we went into it with a different perspective, the way I feel about it is that humans aren't meant to do one thing for their entire life. And that's how we're made to feel. That's what our parents have done. You know, they've gotten a job and they've done it. And yeah. And like our grandparents too, and everything. Totally. Yeah. They like, just like went to a trade school or something and that's what they did. 
Yeah. And it's like, once I loosened my grip on the attachment of sticking to one thing, I was really able to become much more focused and driven with what I was doing at that current moment. You know, right now I'm pursuing the healing arts, but that is definitely not what I want to do for my entire life. I mean, it's obviously going to be a part of my life forever. It's a part of me, but it doesn't define me. You know, if I want to switch to something else, I feel completely capable of doing that and knowing it's okay you know like how boring to stick to one thing for your entire life oh yeah no I know I don't think it's fair it's not fair no I I really strive to be kind of you know well-rounded yeah that's like it's funny you say that because as of recently I've wanted to do like multiple things this is the first time I've been like well I can do them because they all make me happy and I don't have to like do something specific and stay with it um so you're volunteering do you think like the time that you were volunteering opened up your spirituality or no and then if not like where did your spirituality start to like come into play it totally opened up my spirituality and I was totally blessed with my teammates. There were a few girls on my team who were also beginning their spiritual journey. Um, so you had like so a support? Had, yeah, I had like a little, a little community where we would talk about esoteric things and it was really beautiful. Honestly, Like I was saying before, I wasn't compensated monetarily to the highest degree, but I was always so supported and I always felt abundant. I always felt I would get exactly what I needed. I was always receiving the things that were unexpected. Um, People would gift me things all of the time. Um, the experiences in themselves were so rewarding, but the amount of gifts that I received and just, um, the generosity that people showed and mostly the kindness and the gratitude that people had for the work that we were doing was so fulfilling. It really showed me that the universe was taking care of me as long as my, heart was in the right place and I wasn't looking to benefit off of people's expense. It was so beautiful. And I was surrounded by people who were for the most part, like really truly wanting to change the world for the better. So to be around like-minded people in that way made me feel much more comfortable in, I guess, honestly, like my inner child, like my inner child felt really safe, you know, because I was on a team of 10 people and we were together literally 24 seven. We had to be playful with each other. We had to uh, make light of some really heavy circumstances, you know, one program or one project that we did we were working at a, it was sort of like a foster in between home um, for orphans. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, it was well troubled youth, um, troubled youth or orphans, kids coming from really terrible home life situations. And that was incredibly eye-opening and humbling. And I realized how much privilege I truly had. And I remember, so it was such a beautiful nonprofit organization. This woman started it. And I wish I could remember her name. This one woman started it. She came from a really, really rough childhood, like one of the worst I've ever heard. So she obviously bettered herself and um, educated herself and, and really made a name for herself. But the orphanage was set up. So there was a house for the boys and a house for the girls. They were separated and there were only 10 boys and 10 girls. So there was a maximum um, to ensure that they were getting quality care. Yeah. More like one-on-one. Yeah, exactly. So our job in the project was primarily to weed their flower gardens. They grew daylilies and at the end of the summer they would sell the daylilies for funds for the school or for the children's uh, school supplies for the year. So that was like our major role but we also designed their summer program when they got out of school so that they would have things to do. Um, But in order to spend time with the kids, at the end of the day, we would have dinner with them. So we would split up. The boys would have dinner with the boys and the girls would have dinner with the girls. And I remember one night we're eating and the eldest girl in the house, I think she was 16 or 17. But she was like the mama bear. She took care of all of the girls. She was so, so beautiful. Her energy was just strong. Like she was a strong individual. And I forget what we were talking about, what prompted this conversation, but she told us that she was able to read people's auras and could read their energy like fairly wow. Yeah, fairly accurately. And of course, the girls on my team and me were like, what? Like, what do you mean? And, and she starts explaining a bit. And so we ask her if she would be willing to read our energies. And oh, it was such a beautiful experience. I'll never forget this. So she goes around to each one of us and just nails us to the T. But That's when she so came crazy. to me, yeah, yeah. When she came to me, she looks him dead in the eyes and she's like, you need to help people. And that was pretty much all she said. Yeah. Yeah. I like, yeah. Uh, I don't remember what she said about my aura or anything else. I just remember her eye contact and that statement. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And, but I was like, yes, I know. Like, I like it resonated so hard within every cell of my being um so that's just one example of the experiences that I had that's so magical and like yeah beautiful straight straight magical like the location where you at and like the woman who ran it story like that's beautiful in itself and then meeting this 
uh, older child and having her tell you such a profound statement is really beautiful too. It's just like a very, I want to say awakening experience. It was. So it, I don't know like what I would have done in that situation. I wanted to cry. Yeah, I probably would have. The cancer in me would have came out. I know. I know. I'm cancer rising. So it was like. Mm. Oh, yeah. So the water, the water was pouring. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm so watery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was just so. It, yeah. It just. It was a really. I needed to hear it. I really needed to hear it at that point in time. The rest of my experience in that program was truly unique. Um, but it was also kind of traumatic. There were some events that took place that again, left me questioning the system. Like what is wrong with this system? You know, the, the intentions were good, but the way things functioned were a little distorted. Like there was a little bit of a power play going on and unfortunately it leaked through and it really, it was eye opening. It was really eye opening, but it definitely, it, it gave me perspective and it made me look at the big picture, oh, yeah. which I'm so grateful for. And it, yeah, that was, yeah. When I realized that I wanted to, that I needed to help people and that I was definitely inclined to work with energy. Yeah. So when you came back from volunteering, did you stay on like this spiritual journey when you got into like massage school or did you disconnect from it for a little while? Yeah, I disconnected for a little while. When I came back, it it was a shock because the experience that I had just had was so profound and it was so almost otherworldly. I, I gained such a different perspective on society and to go back into society and not be doing work that was for the betterment, um, seemingly for the betterment of, um, the people. It it just, it was hard. So when I, when I came back, I didn't get a job right away for a while. I was kind of in shock, um, after what I had just experienced. Yeah. There's a lot to process. Yeah. And then to try to shift back into reality was, was a very weird. Oh yeah. I can imagine that. It was very, very strange. And honestly, like nothing seemed worth it. You know, like all of my options just didn't, like nothing felt good enough almost in comparison because the work that I was doing, it it wasn't, you know, like I went into the program thinking I was going to save the world and that's not at all what it was. Um it did give me motivation towards, you know, continuing work that would would improve society and improve people's lives and well-being. But um, yeah, it was just such a strange, strange thing. So I ended up uh, getting a job at a cafe and being a barista for about two years before I really 
was able to make a decision that I felt good about. But I had sort of like choice paralysis. You know, I I wanted to do, I wanted to help people and I wanted to help people in the most effective way. And so for about a year and a half, I kind of just sat back and observed and was like, okay, what is most important to our society right now? Like what, where is the greatest need? And obviously that's, you know, kind of, you know, everyone's opinion on that is different. But for me, I realized that I wouldn't be able to authentically help people if I wasn't in like the most authentic version of myself. Yeah. And that's something that's really like shown, sorry. It's something that's really been shown to me lately is like, if I step into like my authentic self and my authentic power and who I am, it's going to help people more than me trying to help people, but not really being sure of who I am. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that was a huge realization and it was, it was a struggle, honestly. Um, that year and a half, I really struggled with addiction um, and escapism because I had choice paralysis and it it made me feel helpless. And then also, you know, the experience that I'd had, it also, in a way, it left me feeling a little bit helpless. Um, unfortunately, at the end of the program, my team kind of ended up not breaking up, but what our, our team leader was removed from us for reasons that made no sense to us at the time. Like it it was kind of like what we're experiencing now, like things were going on behind the scenes and we weren't getting actual answers. So everyone on the team had this, we were all going through this intense feeling of abandonment or like, um, having something just like taken away from us for no oh, yeah, reason. Yeah, because it was like that was your family at the time and someone yeah. from your family was being pulled f- away from you without you really understanding or knowing like the reasons behind it. Totally. And it, it made no sense to us at the time. And to be the team support also was extremely difficult because everybody handles grief differently. Um And so I just felt like I had to support everybody and there was no possible way for me to do that on my own. And I wasn't getting support from the actual program itself. So it was, it was a very confusing time. So, and you know, I don't want to speak badly about the program because it's not, it's not the program. It was a true, it was truly a very unique experience, but it was, it was traumatic. There's no really way around that fact. It was traumatic and it left me very confused. Ending the program and going back into reality was a trip in itself, but to have that traumatic experience right before the end and then to go back into society, I was, I was really feeling hopeless. Oh yeah. And like disconnected very disconnected and I knew I needed to heal myself but I didn't know how which is a question that a lot of people I think when they start healing or wanting to start on their healing journey like when I wanted to start on mine I did not know how to start 
at all. Like I started therapy. I think therapy is really beautiful, but what was I going to do like outside of that session for me to heal? And how did I go? Like, how was I supposed to know how to go about that? Yeah. And, and the healing journey is really, you know, it's not just one thing. It's never going to be just one thing. I know, you know, talk therapy is amazing. It truly is amazing. But if, if you don't um, integrate those teachings into your day-to-day life, you know, it's, it's kind of more of a method of just ego play. Yeah, totally. So what led you to massage school? Like what got you out of this like chaotic time and to start going to massage school, which led you to Reiki? Yeah. So during this time when I was a barista, I had been practicing yoga pretty strictly since 2015. So I've been practicing yoga for for a decent amount of time to realize that it was a very important practice for me. Yeah. So in my yoga studies, it helped me expand my knowledge overall in, in the healing arts. And I was doing research in a number of different avenues. I really wanted to go to school for Ayurvedic medicine because it involved yoga, which I was in love with. It involves herbalism and Reiki. So I was like, oh, that's perfect. At the time, I don't think there were any Ayurvedic schools in New Hampshire. Um, Or if there were, I was just kind of turned off because I didn't know anybody who was practicing Ayurvedic medicine. So it seems like I would be like shooting in the dark. Um, I did find one school in California that I really wanted to go to, but it was about a $20,000 program. It was all the way across the country. And um, I didn't have that money. I had gotten about $6,000 in scholarship money for school from the program. So that's what I had to work with. And I realized that I would benefit from it to the highest degree if I stayed in New Hampshire. Um, Because obviously school is cheaper for in-state individuals. So I started looking at different herbalism courses, but honestly, nothing. I don't think any of those certification programs would accept my scholarship because it was a government, um, it was a grant. So I realized, you know, I had to go to an accredited school, honestly. And this is like, yeah, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I was trying to think like, what is most important? And at the time I was like, well, the environment is really, really important. And food is really, really important. So, you know, everything with climate change and everything like that. It's like, well, if we don't have a planet to live on. Yeah. Then. (laughs) Yeah. What's going to happen to us, you know? (laughs) Exactly. So for me, I was like, okay, that makes sense. That's the most important thing. So I thought about going to uh, the technical school in Concord for environmental science. And then I was like, Kate, you're terrible at science. Um, (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I was like, that's not a great idea. 
was like, well, I want to, I think health, like I, I know I need to heal myself. So holistic health, where, where can I go with that? And massage school just seems like the way to go. Yeah. it, It seems like the best avenue in terms of I don't have to, you know, it's a year long program, so it's not a huge commitment. Um, and honestly, I was more interested in the energetic training of it than the clinical aspect of it. I was interested in the program because I knew it would hold me accountable for my healing. Like I would not be able to work on other people if I did not set myself straight. Yeah. So, um, and also at the time, you know, I, I knew that I wanted to go like study Reiki, but also at the time I didn't really know anybody who is practicing Reiki and living off of that. And at the time I was dealing with this subconscious belief that in order to make money, you have to physically work very, very hard. Yeah. And that's very programmed into society and all of us to an extent, unless like you have people around you who don't believe that. When I was growing up for me, it was like, you have to like do this and this and this and work these hours to like make what you want to make. And then some, And it doesn't have to be that way, but it's not programmed in us to see other options. Right. Yeah. I'd watched my dad work very, very hard, like long hours. So in my mind, that was the only way to make money and the only way. And even then, you know, it wasn't going to be a lot of money. Yeah. (laughs) It was going to be enough to survive. But so that was, that was the whole belief system that was really being challenged and it would continue. I would continue to challenge that belief system for the next few years. So what was it like transitioning from massage into Reiki? Cause you wanted to do Reiki. So how did that happen for you? So I was very fortunate in my program. Um, the program director, actually Linda Luck, she was a Shambhala Reiki master. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she offered, um, a certificate program or a certificate class course. So I actually got certified in her house and I was the only one who took her class at the time. So it was a very personal experience for me and a very life-changing experience for me. Um, that awakened, that truly, truly awakened me in a way that would completely change my life. And at the time, you know, I, so I became certified and I realized that I've always needed this and thank goodness I'm here now, but I was still dealing with this belief that I couldn't depend on that alone for um, success which is not true at all oh yeah not at all (laughs) and it's like a very limiting belief so it limits you from what you're all capable of totally it really yeah that was that was a hard belief to break and I'm honestly still working with it oh yeah I am too because everything that I want to do is like 
people don't, or I guess like I've been programmed to be like, well, you can't really really sustain yourself off of what you want to do, but it's like, well, I can, (laughs) I just have to like work through that. So before we get more into um, what you do with Reiki, will you just explain what it is for the people who are unfamiliar? Yeah, absolutely. It's such a beautiful practice and it is honestly everybody everybody practices it. Uh, We just aren't necessarily aware of it, Um, but people have been doing it since the beginning of time. Reiki translates in Sanskrit to God's wisdom and life force. So it's literally tapping into your life force and manipulating it in a way that benefits others. And I think there's some um, confusion about Reiki. It's when you go for a Reiki session and a Reiki practitioner is working with you. Imagine like when you're jump starting a car, you know, you have like a battery that's running well and then you you hook cords up to a dead battery and then it's like a jump start. That's literally how Reiki works. It's like the awakening of your life force. It's it's the movement of stagnation within someone else because we all experience blocks. We all experience traumas that cause our energy to halt and and want to protect itself. Oh yeah, totally. I liked the way that you put that because I think it's a very like clear understanding of what Reiki is doing. I'm not like I'm not healing you. You know, when I, when I do Reiki on you, my hands are like so hot right now. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's just a transfer of energy. Like we're like, you're already so capable of doing it, you know, just, yeah. you know, Reiki attunements really amplify your ability to turn it on, on demand. So, because you said that you were interested in Reiki before you actually studied it, Um, and then became like a practitioner. Is that the correct word? A practitioner? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what was your first experience with it? Like, or was that when you were getting your attunements done? So my first experience with Reiki is actually really funny. (laughs) I didn't even know that I was receiving Reiki at the time because I was really little. Um, but (laughs) So in sixth grade, I was at a birthday party and I think there were like 20 girls there. And I don't know what sort of game we were playing. It was kind of like hide and seek, but it wasn't at all. We were just being ridiculous, like running around this girl's house outside and like scaring each other. And <laughs> okay, I yeah. don't even know. So a friend of mine and I were hiding and there was there was a group of girls that we wanted to scare and my friend had a bat and a ball and she went to hit the ball and she hit my head instead so I got knocked out oh wow (laughs) yeah and I guess that was my first Reiki experience the the mother of the daughter whose birthday party it was she came out and she was doing Reiki on me while I was passed out wow yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it's really it was a really interesting experience and honestly it was 
very traumatic. I don't remember the energetics of it, but that was my first official experience with Reiki. Um, my next experience was when I was a barista, I decided to get um, a Reiki session done and I didn't know what to expect. I honestly thought I would just kind of be lying there, like taking a nap almost and mm-hmm practitioner would be working over me and like fixing me. <laughs> yeah. Um, it wasn't like that at all. It was actually more of like a shamanic journeying experience, which I really wasn't prepared for, but it was, it was a beautiful experience. I unfortunately had drank a bunch the night before and was super hungover. So again, I was kind of numbed out and couldn't really experience it for what it truly was. That was my second experience. And then the next experience, experience I had was the actual going to the classes and getting the attunements and that was when I was really like oh how was that it was powerful it was really really powerful and it involved a lot of guided meditation and um the attunements in themselves they're not it's not a healing session but I feel like through the attunement there, like natural, like healing just naturally kind of occurs because it's awakening the healer within you. So you kind of like immediately begin to heal yourself. Yeah. Cause it's different from if someone was to schedule a session with you and what you would do for them rather than like yeah. you attuning them. Right. It's completely different. But I remember the first attunement that I got going home that night and my hands were on fire. I I went to go to bed and I was lying there and my hands were so tingly and on fire. And I was just like, whoa, like what is happening right now? And then internal shifts were occurring very drastically and uh, the external eventually caught up to me and I I started seeing some huge shifts in my external reality yeah I could see that happening because everything's shifting on the inside as well and then that plays into the outside exactly so what led you to want to start teaching people Ricky when I got really clear on what my intention was when I began practicing massage after I got licensed I felt like I wasn't doing enough because at this point in time, I began to realize, especially with my Reiki attunement, I realized that everything begins internally. You know, you have an idea and then you create that idea in your external reality. You know, it's, it's never external to internal. You know, I think yeah. external can trigger internal shifts, but when it comes to manifestation, it's always internal. So I began to realize when I'm working with people um, through body work, you know, all of these ailments and imbalances, they begin in the mind. And so I felt, and this is just an extreme way of thinking of it and is slightly irrational, but I just felt like I was providing, what is the the term, Um, instant gratification. 
when I was practicing body work, I felt like I wasn't really acknowledging the issue and that bothered me. You know, I wanted to help people really change and it just didn't seem like body work just didn't seem deep enough, even though that's like one of the most intimate practices, you know, you can do it. And it truly is like body work is amazing. And it is, it's a, it's essential. Like body work, massaging. Is that what you're, okay. I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. Yeah. So you didn't feel like fulfilled in a sense. Right. Yeah. I just, I, I really didn't. I wanted to get deeper into um, what people were actually experiencing because I really began to match up physical ailments with the mental. I mean, in because of my own healing, you know, I wanted to know why I was so physically uncomfortable. And when it came down to it, it was a mental imbalance. It was a malfunction in thinking. Yeah. And so I wanted to share that with other people. I didn't I, I didn't want to make money off of people's imbalances, you know, and that's what I felt like I was doing. But it's also like for those who don't like astrology, I'm sorry, but I'm not because it's really so helpful. I agree. Um, I looked at my chart and I have five planets in Scorpio and Scorpio is all about life, death, transformation. Um, We just like to get real deep into things and we're truth seekers and detectives. And I realized that I was never going to be fulfilled doing work that didn't expose the truth. That makes sense. And well, I guess, do you think like uncovering who you are or unlocking who you are through looking at your natal chart or your human design, whatever it may be, really helped you with your practice and with your spirituality in total? Oh, yeah. So much. I could say so much. About yeah. It. <laughs> but it was honestly such a, it was such a relief to kind of get that confirmation that these energies existed within me and it wasn't something to beat myself up over. Oh yeah, totally. It's just the way I function, you know, it's, and, and to know that these energies are prominent, I can then channel them in a way that they are of service to myself and others and not destructive because before I understood who I really was I was very self-destructive because I just felt so different yeah I can really relate to that I really dislike small talk (laughs) I mean no I I love small talk but when it comes down to it like I want to know like what your core wants yeah you really understand someone yeah, like who they are in total and not just what they're showing themselves as. Exactly. I want to see transformation in people. That's really what I, what I look for. Yeah. And I think it's a really beautiful process, like looking at someone's transformation or watching them transform because they're really just like shedding old layers and stepping into themselves who like they truly are. Yeah, and I love that. In a society that promotes escapism and conditions us to numb ourselves, I think the most courageous thing you can do is to show show up vulnerably 
Oh yeah. I have to agree there too. Cause being vulnerable is so powerful and I feel like society tries to portray it as something that you shouldn't do because it means like it has like this negative context around it or concept around it where if you're vulnerable, like you're weak and I don't agree with that at all. I th- Cause that's something I had to work on reprogramming for myself because my entire life I was told I was sensitive and then I felt like I was not strong because I was sensitive. But in reality, like my sensitivity is like my greatest gift. So let's transition back to Reiki. Has there been anything that Reiki really taught you, whether it be through your own practice or teaching others or pra- practicing on others? Something that was really profound for you that it's taught you? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got, I've got a story. Yeah. Um, So in 2018, I had just become certified as a Reiki master and my grandfather's health was declining very, very rapidly. He actually passed from a respiratory issue, which is just strange with what we're going through today. But I experienced that process and luckily we were able to provide wonderful hospice for him. It was a fairly fast passing, but um, he was able to pass in his home. And I was able to experience that. I actually showed up about 30 minutes before his actual passing. And the hospice, I guess the hospice nurse or practitioner, hospice, Um, I'm not really sure, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. So the woman who was there, you know, she was telling us, you know, it's, he's close to passing. So we're all surrounding him and, and holding on to him. And, you know, my mom and, and her brother, they're giving him permission to leave. Um, And I was at his feet. And of course I was practicing Reiki on him. And as he passed, I felt this enormous wave of energy that I truly cannot describe to this day. After two years, I've told this story a few times and I've really, I I just can't explain the sensation that I felt, but it was this pure beam of light that passed through me. And Ever since that experience, I have had a really profound connection with him, which has shown me that death is not this terribly scary thing that society has made it out to be. I honestly have a better relationship with him now than I did when he was on this planet because he's not constricted by physical limitations anymore. Um, he had gone through a lot in his life, like a lot. He was a pretty heavy alcoholic at one point. And towards the end of his life, he was, he was opening up, but all of his life he had been pretty emotionally detached and closed off and just kind of cold. And so he didn't open up to me very much. We didn't, we really didn't talk very much. Now that he's on the other side, we talk all the time. How powerful. Yeah, it was, 
it was a life-changing experience for sure. And since then, I've been able to connect with other ancestors as well, which has been such a blessing. And it's been so cool. Yeah, that seems really... See, because like with me, I'm just starting to get more comfortable with like guides and stuff. So Mm -hmm. I think it's so beautiful that you're able to connect with him so strongly and then other ancestors as well after that experience. I think it really shows that you were or you are on like the right path. Yeah, yeah. That was definitely a moment where I was like, okay. (laughs) all right like all of these you know things in the past that seemingly haven't made sense like I know they will like everything will come together like you know when you're in the storm it's confusing it's it's hard to see but there will be clarity and everything will make sense at 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 some point yeah it's about the journey not really like the end goal it's more about like the journey to becoming who you are at like the end of time or like, I guess not time. Time's not really existent, but you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really important to have faith in yourself throughout the journey. So I wanted to talk a little bit about tarot because you've posted more like information about you doing it is that something that you do in your practice I've just started integrating it into my practice uh it's very subjective you know some people aren't open to it other people are for me I find it extremely beneficial um especially with working with energy because energy is fluid um and it's it's sometimes it's very difficult to pinpoint especially when you're in it so like for me myself it's really helpful to have the cards to show me what is around me because sometimes I don't want to honestly look <laughs> yeah I I can see that yeah <laughs> I struggle the same way to people who are open to it, I find it to be always, always helpful and always accurate. Yeah. And it's always like a message that you neither need to hear or that you've been ignoring, <laughs> like yeah. something around that realm. So do you, are you doing like uh, open readings on people? I guess like, are you opening readings towards people? like you're doing with Reiki or is that more like a maybe thing? Yeah, no, it's definitely an option. I, um, I love symbolism. I think it complements Reiki very well because for someone who is being newly introduced to the healing arts, it can be a little like, what's actually going on? Like, what are you doing? Like, I don't understand this. So to have the cards is a very, like, it's, um, it's in the physical. So yeah. it help, it's, it's kind of like a bridge, you know, between the, the worlds, which I really like. And it also opens up your mind to realizing, like, there are signs all around you all of the time. Yeah, there you are. You know, you just have to have eyes that see them. And I think tarot is a really amazing um, kind of training to recognize these external signs because the universe is constantly throwing you 
like directions and guides and and signs. It's just a matter of recognizing them. Yeah. And I think once you become more aware of them, then you'll see them more often. Like when you start really noticing them, they're kind of just keep appearing for you. Like I know when I first got into angel numbers, I started seeing them like here and there. And then all of a sudden they would like pop up like sometimes like six times a day. And I'm like, okay, see you. (laughs) Totally. I love numbers. Yeah. Numerology is another huge tool that can be highly beneficial to people who are um, just starting to get into the healing arts. Yeah. There's a ton that's out there in the healing arts. Like there's just so many different ways you can go about it. And like your practice or my practice doesn't have to be someone else's practice because there's so many different things you can do within that field or community. Right. And that's a beautiful thing. It's so, it's, it's so beautiful and it really is so divinely designed for you and for your joy like yeah. it is a bliss, it is a blissful journey. It doesn't have to be, you know, there is pain involved. Pain is inevitable, but suffering is a choice. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about like the last kind of thing I wanted to talk about was what's happening right now and what um this time period has brought to your attention or has taught you. Oh my goodness. That's a loaded question. Yeah. I mean, like just like little bits and pieces. You don't have to like fully dive in. (laughs) It's taught me a lot. Um, It has shown me a new perspective on, on healing for sure. Like, wow, Mother Gaia is working her magic right now. I don't think that's something anyone can really deny, you know, I think for me personally, um, it hasn't really shifted my reality because I have been a loner the past few years um, in my healing journey. So I'm, I'm pretty used to the isolation. I'm an introvert too, so I just love being alone. I'm, yeah. I'm perfectly comfortable being by myself. And in my healing journey, I made it a point to get comfortable being with myself because, you know, I had a rock bottom in 2018 and it was brutal. And I realized how uncomfortable I was being by myself. Um, I had been in a codependent, well, multiple codependent relationships and I was slowly breaking away from all of them honestly, because I was becoming too woo-woo for everyone. (laughs) Uh, Because, you know, I was in school for massage and it truly was my intention to heal. And that made a lot of people really uncomfortable. So I became really comfortable being by myself. And also being a a newly licensed massage therapist, just getting into the practice, it was slow financially. You know, they say when you open up your business, don't expect actual revenue for one to two years. And that's kind of how it's been. You know, it hasn't been the the most financially pleasing experience, but it's taught me a lot. So I'm pretty used to being 
alone and broke, which is what everybody is experiencing yeah. right now. Um, so it's been really interesting to see how everyone around me is handling those sort of situations. It's shown me a lot about surrender and how important it is to live in the moment and focus on the step you are currently on, on, you know, this moment, because we can get so wrapped up in fear and worry like, oh gosh, it's the end of the world. Doomsday has come, but ultimately we're fine right now. I mean, not everyone is fine. I don't want to say that everyone is fine because I know a lot of people are struggling really hard and I don't discredit that. So yeah, it's shown me a lot about resistance and and how hard it can be to live in the moment. I think it's a really beautiful opportunity for healing. And I think it's a really beautiful opportunity to pivot in a direction that's a little more accepting in terms of our emotional states, our mental states. A lot of people are struggling with with their mental state right now. And I think that's just a reflection of our fast paced life and how we don't take the time to slow down and really prioritize ourselves. We're so wrapped up in what other people expect of us, of what society expects of us. And at the end of the day, if we are not fulfilling ourselves, like what service are we really doing? Exactly. Yeah. It's also, I've learned how important it is for me to speak up and share my story because I've been afraid to the past few years. And by giving into that fear, I am on a subtle level telling everybody else it's okay to hide and not be authentic. And that's not what I want to do. I I want to make it normal to be honest and to share your story and to feel comfortable doing that. It, it is uncomfortable at times, but it's so liberating because at, at the end of the day, if you're coming from a place of love and a place of, you know, purity, nobody's going to judge you for that. And if they are, then they have work to do on themselves. It yeah. has nothing to do with you. You know, people can only treat you as well as they know how to treat themselves. Exactly. Yeah. And that was a huge realization I had to make because for so long, for so long, I depended on external validation and I would get so butthurt when people would react to me in a negative way. But I really realized I would rather trigger you and make you feel something than validate a false sense of identity that you have because ultimately yeah. you're you're lying to yourself and that's that's self-sabotage yeah I think like this moment is bringing up a lot of that for a lot of people and just the awareness of what we have to work through as individuals and becoming more present in our life like what are we numbing out I guess like even if it's not through like a substance like just like if you're binge watching something all day and refusing to deal with like your emotions like nothing's wrong with binge watching Netflix or Hulu or whatever you're doing I don't think anything's wrong with that but just coming from a place of like am I just trying not to deal with myself totally 
Because ultimately, like, there's nothing, there's nothing so bad that you've done or that you're doing that is unredeemable. What are you doing with um, your work moving forward now that you have your own practice? I am working on designing some really specific energetic sessions in terms of trauma relief. Um, I think right now is a really potent time for the release of sexual trauma. I think that's very, um, it's just everywhere. I don't know if I've worked. I mean, I'm sure there have been a few clients who haven't experienced sexual trauma, but I've experienced so much sexual trauma in my own life and, um, you know, in other people's journeys as well. So that's, and I think that's also kind of, you know, what we're seeing in society right now is this huge imbalance and, um, a huge manipulation of sexual energy. I'm also designing, um, my own Reiki course because I think I was starting to say this earlier, but yeah. So my intention is to awaken your healer, um, your inner healer. It's, you know, I'm not healing you, you know, I'm just here to remind you that you're capable of healing yourself. So I really, I'm really, really excited to get that off the ground, which will hopefully be within the next few days. Ooh, that'd be so exciting. Yeah, hopefully by the time I know, definitely by the time this podcast is out, I will I will have my um level one and two course available. And I've designed it in a way so that um, you know, you pay for it. I send you, I've created a guidebook which includes the history of Reiki, how it works, the difference between Yusui, traditional Yusui Reiki and Shambhala Reiki, which is what I teach. Um, and it also has quite a bit of information on how to work with stones and the chakra system. And I include some resources um, on those topics as well. Um, so I send you all of that information for you to read and digest on your own time. And then when you're ready, we schedule an attunement where we get together and it's about an hour to two hours long where um, we awaken your healing abilities, which is a, so truly, it's a beautiful experience. I've done a few already um, and wow, they've been some of the most powerful energetic experiences that that I've had. So I'm really, really, really honored to be able to provide this. Yeah, I'm so excited to see it all when it's released. And that's like a ton of beautiful work that you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited for you. Thank you. It means so much. So what is a fact about you that not many people would know? Ooh, ooh, okay, I know. <laughs> I was born with a pretty serious lazy eye. Really? I, yeah, I had surgery when I was less than one years old or under one years old. And um, I wore glasses until I was in third grade. And then I got contacts and I wore them up until. I think I was a sophomore in high school and then 
it went away. Huh. That's so interesting. I had no idea. Um, what is your sun, moon, and rising in your human design? My sun is Scorpio. <laughs> my rising is Cancer, and my moon is Aquarius. And Ooh. then my, yeah, it's, it's a <laughs> deadly combination. <laughs> it's a wonderful combination, truly. Um, my human design, I am a uh, manifesting generator. Yeah, me too. Do you relate to those, like your top three and your human design? Oh, so much. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. That's like a water-air <laughs> combo. Yeah, I'm so watery. I have, I think, two other air placements, but I'm mostly water. Um, is there a quote saying or piece of advice you want to leave the listeners with? Anything you can imagine is real. It's by Pablo Picasso. I love that. It's on my Instagram page, but yeah, it's it's my father's favorite artist. And that quote just stood out to me because that's that's been my reality the past year. There have been some huge internal shifts that have completely changed what, what I know to be real. Like it's anything, anything is possible. Yeah, true. That is so true. And I think that when we don't believe that anything is possible, we're really limiting ourselves. Totally. So where can people find you? Yeah. So on Facebook, I have my business page, Kate Hunter, licensed massage therapist. And then on Instagram, I did have a business page, but that's just, it was, it was too much. I have a hard enough time managing like Facebook and an Instagram. So I was like, why do I have two of each? This just, yeah, <laughs> this doesn't make sense for me. So I combined my Instagram. So I'm just going to be posting all of my business material on my personal page, which the handle is Kaylin Ohm, K-L-Y-N-N-O-M. I feel like I want to explain this because people get really confused by what Yeah, I'm means. kind of curious too. <laughs> <laughs> so my full name is Caitlin. When I was little, I really like, I don't know what it was about the T, but I wanted my name to be Kaylin. I don't know. So it was, was kind of like a childhood, like, yay, my name gets to be what I want it to be. <laughs> be whatever then, I want to be. Yeah. <laughs> the T is just too sharp. I don't know. It doesn't represent me. <laughs> <laughs> and then OM, my um, middle names, because I have two. <laughs> are olive marie oh those are pretty my middle name is marie yeah it's a common one very common (laughs) it was my great grandmother's name yeah that's Um, my great great grandma's middle name or my great great grandma was emily marie oh oh yeah which is me so (laughs) i love that that's really pretty yeah and then olive was my also my great grandmother so we did talk about what services you offer, but just so like they have a clear understanding of everything that you offer. Do you just want to like bullet point them really quick? Yeah, definitely. So in terms of body work, I offer Swedish massage or relaxation massage. Um, I love to incorporate Reiki in my relaxation massage because it just amplifies the chill. <laughs> yeah, totally. 
Um, I will be getting hot stones because I, I do love a good hot stone massage as well. Um, I offer reflexology. That's a really amazing um, healing art of the pressure points that are in your feet. It stimulates your entire body and, and on a very deep level. And then I will be getting tuning forks soon. So I'm really excited to incorporate those into my practice. But I do offer deep tissue as well. And then for Reiki, it's so hard to like differentiate the services because it's always so subjective. You know, as long as I know you want energy work done, then, you know, it's, it's kind of whatever happens, happens. But oh, yeah. it, it usually involves um, some guided meditation, guided relaxation, guided visualization, um, light massage. Um, I incorporate tarot if it's needed, my singing bowl, and obviously the Reiki. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's really, it really depends on where you are energetically. Yeah. So if someone wanted to work with you, they should just reach out and then you two together will clarify what you should do. So I wanted to thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Emily. This has been yeah. so exciting. Too. Yeah. I really liked everything we talked about too. We covered a lot and I learned so lot. much. Well, good. Yeah. Bye everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening. All right, everyone. So thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I had a wonderful time recording this episode, chatting with Kate, and I'm sure she'll come back on the podcast down the line. There's so much more we could talk about, and I'd love to see her progression you know, from this episode to a future episode. I'm sure it'll be absolutely fantastic. And again, I want to thank Kate for coming on the podcast. Just thank you. It was beautiful, magical, super happy that you came on. I challenge you all this week to listen to your energy, really tune into it and listen to what it's telling you. I think that's a beautiful way to get in touch with yourself, to know what your energy is telling you, but also to like tune into it. Like what Kate was saying with Reiki, how we all have this within us, really listen to your energy and see how you can adapt it into your day-to-day -day life or shift in your day-to-day -day life and do what's best for you, yourself, your energy, all of that fun stuff. So I challenge you to listen to your energy and understand or just hear out what it's telling you. If you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on my Instagram, blog, Facebook, you know the drill. All of that will be linked in the show notes as well as all of Kate's socials. So go check her out. If you want to schedule a session with her, reach out to her. I'm sure she has some openings and if she doesn't, she'll get you in as quickly as she can. She has a ton that you can do and she'll really customize her energy healing sessions, her tarot card readings to what you need. So totally reach out to her. And if you have any takeaways from this podcast episode, either rate and review the podcast and leave a takeaway that you had from this episode, or, you know, share it on social media, share it on your Instagram story, tag me, tag Kate, let us know what you got from this episode. That would be so wonderful, so beautiful. And I'd love to hear what other insights, you know, came through for you, for your friends, share this with your friends and family. If you think that this would relate to them at all. Again, like I said, I would love it if you rated and reviewed the podcast, you know, put in a takeaway, put in something that you really, really enjoyed about the podcast. It would mean so, so much to me. 
Again, I wanted to thank Kate for being on the podcast. It was a pleasure to have her on. I'm so happy that she came on the podcast and I cannot wait to record another episode with her in the future. I think it would be so wonderful. So with all that being said, I cannot wait to chat with all of you soon. And yeah, so have a wonderful rest of your day, everyone. Bye.